Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, August the 30th, 2023. Today is a day I have been excited for for a long time. This interview has been a long time coming. This episode is with Taylor Lindsay Noel, who is a 28-year-old entrepreneur, advocate, and activist. She's a CEO of the brand Cup of Tay, which, by the way, made it onto Oprah's favorite things, and into the grab bags for the Oscars and the Grammys. She's a poet, a former Canadian gymnast, and one of my favorite things about her, which I picked on the picked up the moment that I met her, was she is authentic. She is hilarious, charming, and holds an empowering, positive attitude every single day. Taylor shows up every day, even on those exceptionally challenging days, the days where things don't go right, where you just don't feel good, when she has to make difficult decisions for herself and her businesses. She shows up as her empowered self, not the victim of her life's circumstances. All right. You see, in 2008, I, I want to stress the victim here, okay? In 2008, when Taylor was competing for the Canadian gymnastics team, tracking for the 2012 Olympics, by the way, she had a devastating injury resulting in her spinal cord being severed at C4, resulting in the paralyzation of her body. Taylor showed up to practice that day, an able-bodied elite athlete, and left a quadriplegic. Her life, her goals, her identity, the use of her body, her passion, and some might even argue her youth because, yes, she was 14 years old, was taken. But that didn't stop her. Yes, this is a powerful story. And today, Taylor is here to tell you how she keeps moving forward, how she was forced to evolve and redefine who she is, and how her drive to live and live with intention has opened the doors of possibility, wonder, and awe. I believe that you are going to just love her. So let's get into today's episode, shall we? Here is Taylor Lindsay Noel. Hello, Taylor. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. You know, I like I've been following your journey since we met at that event that Michelle hosted. Like, was that she was trying to get live events going in 2020, I think. <laughs> was it yeah, 2020 that, or 2021? I think it was the year after. Yeah. Year, okay. year into pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, when we were all craving social yeah. <laughs> engagements. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to do anything, like be it outside, like let's do something. I need to get out. Yeah, same. I was like, sign me up. And that was your speech at that uh, event was so impactful to me. I immediately felt absolutely connected to you. 
and have been following you super closely ever since. And I just love your work and what you're doing. I want to get, I'm going to tell the listeners a little bit about your story. Can you, because right now you are quadriplegic. Is that correct? Okay. And I'd like you to talk about that a little bit more because you do have full, like you do have some access to your arms. Oftentimes people think quadriplegic is nothing. Perhaps we can talk about that, but let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about what happened 15 years ago. Well, so a lot happened 15 years ago, Uh, Mm -hmm. but to summarize, I was a Canadian national gymnast. I know you are also a high performance athlete, so you get the whole craziness of that world, but uh, absolutely, yeah, I went to a regular day of training and my coach had been my coach for like eight years, had approached me to do a skill that I had never heard of before. Um, I was not really understanding like what he was asking of me and it was really rare because I at that point had seen everything I have either done it myself or have seen another gymnast complete it so to be pitched a skill that I've never even heard of while he's simultaneously telling me that people do it all the time around the world Hmm. thing in my gut felt like it wasn't right but at the time I'm 14 I'm very trusting he's like a father figure to me so Hmm. um, I he told me, he's like, you're letting your fear cloud your judgment. Just trust me. And so I, after about an hour and crying and just fear, I was like, okay, I'm just going to throw it and, you know, just satisfy him, get him off my back kind of thing. And the second time I attempted it, I landed head first and broke my neck and severed my spinal cord, which left me paralyzed from the chest down and a quadriplegic. And I know that for a lot of people, it's confusing what a quadriplegic is when we think of someone who's fully paralyzed or paralyzed from the chest down. You think of them like not being able to move at all or just sitting in bed all day. But technically, it, it, I mean, for me, it makes sense because it's my life and my world. But when yes. you're paralyzed from the chest down, your arms are technically above your chest. Um, so I'm paralyzed technically from the C4, C5 range which is your cervical spine. And it's about the same in the front, but like halfway through like my boobs, like that'd be yeah. like the level. Um, so my shoulders are above my boobs. So I'm able to move my arms a little bit. I have bicep muscles, no tricep muscles, and I can't move my fingers at all. So I have full or partial paralysis in all four of my major limbs, um, making me a quadriplegic and a full-time wheelchair user. I will take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's just where, so C5, 6? C4, 5. C4, 5. Yeah. Okay. So the higher up you go on the cervical spine is the more paralyzed or the more issues you have. So if I hurt my C3, I would have mm-hmm. severe breathing issues. I would likely be trached. Um, and then C2, 1, that's when you see people who are more likely to be bedridden um, on breathing machines ventilators so yeah I got I got I hurt pretty high up um almost as high as you can go so going back to that day you said that you sort of felt like you didn't want to do it and I want you to just walk me through that a little bit because that must have been a huge red flag yeah did did he yeah can you walk like how how 
I, okay. <laughs> Backing up a little bit, being a high performance athlete myself yeah, at that high level, I've seen video of you. You were absolutely incredible. You were doing Thank some you. of the most difficult skills at that level. Like I can see you, you were pushing towards what Olympics, the 2012, 2010, 2010? Yeah, would have been the 2012 Olympics. I would have been able to qualify for you have to be right. 16. All right, um, 16. So I, I missed the 2008 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was only 14. So I would have qualified in 2012. Um, but yeah, I just, at when you're at that level, um, there is a level of, a fear that is a natural part, I think, of being a gymnast and in yeah. a lot of sports like that. Yeah. Um, so I was, you're constantly scared. There's always that little bit of like butterflies in your stomach, but this felt worse. Like I just, one of the most important things that you have to grasp as a gymnast is being able to visualize what you're about to do. And in my head, I could not visualize me doing the skill. I couldn't figure out the body mechanics of it. I couldn't figure out how I would get enough energy to complete it. Like nothing was clicking in my head. And that was different than just a basic natural fear. So it was this added layer. And just also, mm-hmm. I felt like I was being gaslit, but I'm like, why would he lie? Like, I'm just like, why would he lie about something like this? And to come out afterwards and find it like he did blatantly lie. That so nobody, he had never seen, oh. No, my. nobody's ever done it, ever, ever. What, what apparatus were you on? On the bars, uneven bars. Okay. So it was a dismount. So it's leaving the high bar. And mm-hmm. till this day, no one has ever completed the skill. Um, so he just blatantly lied about it. So, yeah. And what kind of responsibility did he take in this whole thing? Like what happened next in the very acute aftermath? He took zero responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually lied, continued to lie about it and tried to make it seem like I was the one who pitched oh the skill God. to him. And I was the one like really pushing him to let me do it, which could not be farther from the truth. Um, and yeah, there was no there's no repercussions from the gymnastics federation. Um, we did take some legal action against him, but at the end of the day, like there's nothing that replaces your health. Like there's nothing that replaces that. I would went from being the most active person you can ever imagine to being paralyzed and needing someone to help me brush my hair and get out of bed and I can't walk like there's nothing that can replace that absolutely not it's almost one of the secret fears of all athletes doing extreme things I mean I think that there is a when you're doing what you're doing when you were doing what you were doing I believe you need to have a very healthy um, combination of smart and crazy (laughs) (laughs) okay okay. yeah absolutely and there is healthy fear yeah and you are the only one that can really discern what that feels like and what that is 
And I know I've been standing at the top of a jump or a mogul course because I was a mogul skier. Yeah. We're flying down the mountains, flipping. I was a gymnast when I was a kid too. Didn't make the Olympic team, got kicked out of competitive. My Olympic dreams were dead at age eight. And I was so <laughs> upset, but I used my gymnastic skills with skis on. And there you go. Like without gymnastics. You see that transfer. Yeah. You see that transfer from gymnasts to other sports. Um, and yeah, moguls is absolutely insane like insane yeah Yeah, like the 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 Canadian aerials team actually recruits gymnasts like and teaches them how to ski because they're just because it's such an acrobatics it's it's and you need to know those acrobatic mind body um awareness from a young age to be able to really get it and so I was fortunate to be in a gym uh into gymnastics when I was I think like four I was young Mm. um that's, just that's a pretty average age like four or five yeah four or five if you become competitive that's a pretty average age yeah so that that fear um so okay so the coach didn't take responsibility but you your life had to continue on so mm. what happened afterwards so I had so right afterwards I had immediate surgery I had pins put into my neck Mm-hmm. Uh, just the next couple of weeks where like the realization of what happened, I went to rehab, physical rehab for 19 months, 19 um, months, 19 months. I was there a really long time because I didn't have a home to come home to. So my mom, she would every single day leave rehab, but she would sleep with me at my rehab and then go into this site to build a home. We had bought oh a small property, like a, a small house on a decent sized property just a few months before my accident. And her dream was like in five years to build her dream home. And so we weren't prepared to do that. We were living at my grandma's at the time of my accident. She had a bunch of stairs to enter her house. So I couldn't go back there. So she had to build her dream home instantly. And in a way, it's a blessing in disguise because she was able to build it from the ground up fully accessible. Um, right. So she did that every single day for about a year. Like, yeah, like almost a year and a half to build a home for me to come home to. So that's why I was there for so long. And then, yeah, I transitioned back to high school, which was difficult, but I had to figure out like who I was without the identity of being an athlete. And Mm -hmm. that was difficult in itself, but I got involved with student council. And by my last year, I was student council president. And I think (laughs) I can totally see that. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I just felt like I was slowly coming into my own and I don't know how much farther you want me to go, but I, went to university for radio and television arts. I really wanted to be a reporter, but I instead started a podcast called Tea Time with Tay, where I'd interview people over a cup of tea, which when I wanted a sponsor led me to starting my own tea company. And then the birth of Cup of Tay and my role as an entrepreneur kind of like flourished. And then so many other things have happened since I launched Cup of Tay, but yeah. So... I, one of the things that always, um, just astounds me, I'm in awe of people who can overcome such traumatic physical and emotional, spiritual breaks within their lives. 
And yeah. not to say that you are broken, but when we do have those cracks, how people can get through. Um, I have a good friend of mine, Josh Duick. He's a paraplegic. He ended up going to the Olympics, uh, the Paralympics rather, um, mm-hmm. and won many medals for Canada. And also one of the um, beautiful things that I got to experience as an athlete and then coach for high performance for so many years was access to all of the sports centers where the able-bodied and the disabled bodies would train all together. Like we were just, it was just like a normal thing. So you, so you, it, you normalize seeing someone with one leg or no arms or blind or in a wheelchair or um, whatever you see a lot of, a lot of people that are just living their dreams and being supported. But I do realize that the world isn't necessarily set up like an Olympic training facility where everything's accessible. (laughs) So how did that work for you as you were moving through trying to figure out, I I definitely want to get into your entrepreneurship and cup of tea because that's really exciting. But before that, because you had to overcome so many layers and peel it all back, start fresh, almost like a new you. It was really jarring because like you, again, going from such an evil body to being in a disabled body was just like so hard for me to wrap my head around mentally. Like I kept thinking, I'm like, I, I run it my entire life. Now, if I work really hard towards a goal, everything will be fine. Like if mm-hmm. I work hard, I'll do this many sit-ups, I'll get abs. Like, and so I'm like, okay, if I do this many repetitions of going to physiotherapy, I will walk. Like I'm going to walk. And was that a possibility walk. for you? Was that a possibility? No, no, okay. it wasn't. Okay. And, you know, you kind of like hold out a little bit of hope. Like I, I know that like, as is in this body, in this moment, like it's just not possible. I'm very hopeful that like science in my lifetime will change that but I know mm-hmm. like it's like there's nothing I can do in this moment that's going to make that a difference I mean it's a very hard thing to say and like you know a lot of people who might be newly injured might not like hearing things like that but I know for me it's not possible and that's fine like yeah. you just kind of have to come to terms with it but it took me a very long time to come to terms with it because I was an athlete I know it's like no <sighs> I will I just work hard and it'll work, but that's not how the human body works. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, you cut your spinal cord. It's a very important thing. <laughs> and so yeah. that was the first thing. And I think that took me like a couple of years to just really come to terms with. Um, and then I, I'm, I lost my train of thought with you. Is, did you have support? Like how? Yeah, yeah I was. I've had the, like, that's the only reason why I'm the person I am today. Like, I have the most incredible support. My mom is, we call her MB because she's literally a mama bear, short for mama bear. She is the (laughs) most fierce, ferocious, incredible human being. And she has, continues, I'm almost 30, and continues to make sure that, like, nobody messes with her child and will make sure that I'm always set for life, which is, I'm so grateful for. My friends have been phenomenal. Um, and I can even say, like, even, like, relationships, like, I'm single now, but, like, for the most part, I've been very lucky to meet fairly decent human beings along the way. So I feel like I've been supported at every single turn. 
and even just strangers too. So yeah, that's a huge component of it. Um, allowing people, allowing me to just move through grief and know that no matter what I needed, people, a whole army of people would be there for me. Yes. And you went through that deep Mm -hmm. work. You went through it and came out. And I'm sure sometimes you dip in there sometimes because it's sort Mm -hmm. of this continual layered thing as we evolve and age and new, new challenges present are presented to us. How's the world? Cause you started access by Tay. Yeah. Yeah. And being an entrepreneur, actually, let's talk about that first. This is a really fun topic because you started your, your podcast, as you said, over tea. So you would drink tea podcast And then you started cup of tea, tea yeah. with an accent tegu or accent grave or what is it? Accent tegu. I should know that. I don't, I don't <laughs> and then what are the cup, accents? Cup of tea, cup of tea cafe as well, because you do have yeah. brick and mortar. Yes. We opened up our first cafe. So I launched cup of tea in 2018. And then we launched my cafe in uh, November of 2022. So it's almost been one full year, which is crazy to think. Amazing. Yeah, it's been almost been a year, which is it's a whole different beast of a business. My God, (laughs) I don't know if I would do it again. But it's it's been a huge undertaking for sure and very a lot of learning experiences. But yeah, the the business itself was something that kind of started as something being petty and being competitive. I had a podcast and I wanted a tea sponsor and I really wanted David's tea to sponsor us. And I reached out to them and they never got back to me. And okay. so like, if they're not going to sponsor me, I'm going to start my own tea business. And in the process of doing that, I only wanted to do like one or two teas to market it back to my audience, prove a point, provide a case study to get them to sponsor me. But I'm like, why am I working so hard for the approval of somebody or a company that doesn't see me like why am I working so hard for that approval when wow. I could just build something of my own and so I decided to put my podcast on the burner and build something of my own and that's how cup of tea came to be and I've always had a passion I've always loved tea like since I was young so it was very natural for me like I wasn't like totally out of the blue but I never planned on being an entrepreneur like that wasn't in my plan of things to like not an entrepreneur in this sense like being a podcaster is an entrepreneur but I never thought about like starting a business where I would sell things to people that was never the plan um but it went really well and we've had a lot of really great success um and it's just continued to evolve into now we have a full-fledged cafe which is kind of crazy to think Cup of tea when I first met you had just been put on Oprah's favorite things. How was that experience for you? Because like, oh my god, did you talk to Oprah? <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny. It was so all it's all happened in COVID. Like we got chosen to be on Oprah's favorite things list in COVID, and I never got the opportunity to talk to her. But I worked very closely with like one of her right hand men, um, Adam Glassman, who is an incredible human being, and just working with her whole team was such a phenomenal experience and totally changed the trajectory of my business and 
it's just something that's still so surreal to me. Like, I cannot believe that. Like, I remember sending, I think Michelle was there that day when we like put together the package that was going to be sent to her home. Like that was when they sent me her address. I'm like, this is so oh. weird. Like, I cannot believe it. I'm like packaging it up so much and sending it over <laughs> to the mailman and being like, this is the most important package of my entire life. Like, please make sure <laughs> this gets where it needs to go. Um, but yeah, it was really great. And I, I, it's still a fever dream. That is so cool. And then I heard, um, did I hear that Cup of Tay made it into like the Oscar grab bags and the Grammys? Yeah, we were in the Oscars and Grammys uh, grab bags in 2021 or 2022. I think we did two years, actually. Yeah, two years. And that was so cool, too, because, again, in 2021, this was still in COVID. So right, it, yeah. it was a different, it was a more... Um, special circumstance because instead of this being something that they would see when they go to the Grammys and like walk through like this like tunnel or whatever where they can pick up things this was actually sent to their personal homes that year so it was really cool for that like knowing like Lizzo and like Beyonce just like so many different people got our packages or it's like yeah they're like drinking your tea don't you think it's cool that all these celebs like friggin leonardo dicaprio friggin drinking cup of tea yeah i and right after that we had like steven spielberg's office reached out and they wanted they bought our tea for their christmas uh for their christmas like part of their christmas gifts for their this whole staff and team so it was it and it continues to be really cool like I uh, whenever I open my email like you just never know what you're gonna see it's crazy I I have one question about the Oprah's favorite yeah. things though because like what does that do for a business like did you completely sell out like what oh. happened yeah no we had to so that's kind of one of those things where you never really know what's going to happen like I remember asking yeah. the team, like what do I anticipate like am I talking like a hundred sales, a thousand sales, <laughs> yeah, 1, sales, and they're like, we don't know what to tell you. Like, it's different every year. It's different for every product. You're one of like, I think, fifty total products that she puts on the list in a variety of different categories. Like, there's like, I think like four in the food category, which we are part of. But there's like the electronics and whatever. Yeah, and like some of these companies are huge. Like, some of them is like. She loved an iPad, which is Apple, but then yep. it could be like something as obscure as a bracelet. And so it's such a range of pricing and products. So it all really depends on, and you don't know who else is going to be on the list when right. it's announced. So I made the decision and I remember being so stressed out about like not wanting to buy and go into debt for too much inventory with no idea if we're going to sell it but I always had the belief that regardless if we sold it right then that we would sell this inventory eventually so I kind of looked at my high point of what I can afford my low point and decided to go right smack in the middle and yeah we definitely could have sold more than I bought um, but I was happy with the number that we were able to sell and I don't think we could have honestly taken on anymore it was stressful and we had it was a, it was a lot so do you find a lot of parallels between your discipline and your work ethic as an athlete learning that at a young age 
do you think that that's really helped you in today being an entrepreneur and all the things you're doing? Cause you do so much, like you are like a power CEO out there. I could not be the person I am without being an athlete first. And I think so many times, like even today, I was looking through my TikTok comments and uh, there's this video I have going like slightly viral and it's showing like me before as a journalist and me now. And so, so many of the comments were like, oh my God, like, do you regret being a gymnast? Do you regret it? Do you regret it? Do you regret it? And like, mm-hmm. I, I wish this didn't happen. Like, I wish I wasn't disabled and paralyzed. However, I don't regret being a gymnast. I regret that day, but I don't yeah. regret the totality of the experience because the experience of being a gymnast taught me discipline. It taught me how to work really hard for a goal. Um, I realized like if I put this much time and effort and focus into my business, I can make it anything I want it to be. And mm-hmm. so, um, and the discipline to balance multiple different things as well is, it's 100% because I was an athlete. It's really interesting too the, the subconscious or the, cause it's all, these are all invisible skills now to you. They just are mm-hmm. part of your personality Psych. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the ability when you're, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to take risks every now and then you don't have someone else to fall for you. You're the fall person. (laughs) You're the person. So the, the ability to lose and the ability to win, I think that's one of the things that I take, I've taken from my athletic career into now as an entrepreneur is, is being able to win feeling the successes and moving the drive to win. But also when, when you lose, like I lose, someone used this phrase the other day and I liked it. It was like, I lose or I fail forward. Have you ever heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. Failing forward. I was like, I think that's what I do. (laughs) I know. I, I feel forward all the time. It's so funny to me because like, I feel like, I guess you don't talk about your failures as much as, but I am feeling all the time, like literally making mistakes and for a quote unquote mistakes all the goddamn time. Like it's, it's, it's almost to an embarrassing point sometimes. And I'm like, when people, you know, see the end result, I'm like, do you know how much crap happened for Mm -hmm. me to get that? Like what I had to go through, like the amount of mental breakdowns or tiny mentees as I like to call them that I like literally (laughs) had to go through to get here or how many things I've screwed up in order to get here how many late nights I had to do to get here and it's kind of frustrating because sometimes I I, it's a weird thing to complain about I feel like in my life there's a lot of people who feel as though it just all happens And, and like I don't feel like I get they they understand the sacrifices that I'm constantly making to my health, my time, my social life in order to make it look like it just happened, you know? So yeah, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I just, again, not worrying about the opinions of others or like the opinions of how people think things come together, but I think people think it's a lot easier for me than it is when I'm constantly actually struggling. (laughs) I can imagine that. 
And the world mm-hmm. is like this instant gratification world. It's, it's this, okay, you want to be an entrepreneur. Great. And it's a really rude awakening to the actual work ethic that you put in. So I, I'm like astounded by what you've accomplished and how relatively quickly you have accomplished it because yes, Mm -hmm. you've had to make some really hard choices and sacrifice Mm -hmm. a lot. And I can only imagine the patience it takes to move through your life with the use of no fingers with the use of like half of your arm. It must Mm -hmm. be, or have you sort of figured all that out? Is it just is it just no, it's, the most, it's so unbelievably frustrating because I constantly say like, I'm like, I could be doing so much more mm-hmm. if I could do it myself. Cause everything that I do, like even just like the fact of like getting up in the day, like if I want to get up at a different time or work at a different, like I, that that's not just dependent on me. That's me making multiple phone calls to multiple people to make sure that I can move around their nursing schedule with other people in their lives in order to get, like, I literally can't start my day without somebody. And I don't think people understand how much of a hindrance that is. Like, even when somebody says, like, they want me to go do something at, like, I'm not a morning person, never happened, never will be. <laughs> but, like, if somebody wants to me to show up somewhere at, like, 10 or 9 to do something, it's not because I don't, well, I don't want to get up, but it's not because I, it's not the only reason. It's like, right. that's just not really physically possible for me to, out of the blue, switch up my schedule like right. that. And sometimes that means like possibly missing out on opportunities. And that's not on me. It's on because I am a dependent person and that can affect multiple people in my life. You know what I mean? I so do. it's just really it's a constant struggle because I'm like, if I could just do it by myself, I would be, I can't even imagine what I'd be doing with my life. Even the thought of like today, like wanting to, I wanted to maybe like possibly like vlog today, set up a little camera here and be like, oh, I like, and then I did a podcast and whatever for my TikTok do like a day in life, but there's nobody here with me right now. So I have no one to set that up for me. So I'm missing out on another opportunity to make content because I can't physically do it by myself. So it's like, I, I like, I look at where I am and I'm like, that's great. And that's amazing. And I'm so proud of myself, but I'm also so at the same time frustrated with the process because I'm like, I, I could be doing, I could be beyond mm-hmm. of where I am right now. Um, if I could just do it by myself, like I can't physically even hold up my phone by myself. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's very frustrating. I saw you uh, the other day. No, that, no. Well, you know what? I think that this is important because it's, I don't like the word out of sight, out of mind, but people don't see these things that are right in front of them all the time. Like they they just, Mm -hmm. they don't even myself with a vast career working right beside people with disability. My mom actually works um, at Parkway House, which is a home for people with cerebral palsy. And so, I mean, we see the residents there all the time and they do have constant support all the time. Not saying you have cerebral palsy, but they're wheelchair bound. And, Mm -hmm. um, And it's just more or less part of my life more than the average person I would say Mm -hmm. 
And so when I see, when I was, I want to get into the access by Tay, because you started to go to different areas in Toronto and surround (laughs) and, and, and critique their accessibility. So you go to restaurants and shops and people don't understand that when the button for, I saw some comments on one of your TikToks and I was like, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. That one was brutal. I got so brutal for some people's call. I'm like, what are people talking about? Yeah. Because when you drive your wheelchair in front of the door and you press the button, the door will can't open because you're there. Yeah. It's hitting you. It was, it hits you. For, for people who haven't seen the video, it was like an experience I had when I went to a McDonald's and the button for the push to open button was on the door frame, if you can imagine. So when you press the button, the door opens right at you. Like, and people were saying like, oh, just move your wheelchair out of the way and reach forward. I'm like, no, if I could, re- if I could lean that far forward without falling out of my wheelchair, like... I wouldn't need a wheelchair. I wouldn't, I would have been more of an able-bodied yeah. person. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Um, but I mean, the like any, like anything, like any video like that, 95% of the comments are good. And totally. people are standing because I'm visually showing you what's going on. But there's like the 5% who are just choosing to be ignorant and blind, even though it's blatantly obvious why it's a problem and obviously not up to code. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, I love access by Tay so much and the ability to just open people's minds to the realities of people with disabilities, because we are a very visual society. And I think yeah. like me writing a blog post, which there are people who do that, which is amazing. But I feel like for me, I'm a very visual learner. So I'm like, if I could create a video and actually show you the effects of when a place is not accessible and like what that really looks like for somebody who has to experience that. I think people will get it more. And uh, at first I thought it would be a resource for people with disabilities, but it's become so much more than that. It's become people who are able-bodied who just enjoy watching my videos as well, which I never really imagined. I thought my audience would only be disabled people, but it's it's not. It's other people who wanting to learn or just like, what I had no idea like and I'm like oh that's my point like yes like yes even a ledge a lip a one inch lip lip on a floor can can be a yeah it can be a wall yeah it's it's the little things that can make a huge difference and it's like when I I can't tell you how many times I've been to restaurants or called ahead of to a restaurant and been like are you it's accessible and they're like yes we are we are 100 i pay for a tax and i know we'll start from the beginning i rearranged my nursing i get them to come in which these people are you have to pay them right you get them to come in i pay for a taxi which is oftentimes more expensive than a regular taxi i get all the way there and when i get there they have like two steps to get in and then they're like oh yeah like Oh yeah, we're accessible, but it's like it's just two steps. Like, yeah. So what? What? What does that what, mean? What do you like? What, what do, do I do? Mean? Just transformer my wheelchair into legs? Like, <laughs> and then when they say that, like, oh well, we can we'll just lift your power wheelchair. I'm like, first off, it's four hundred pounds starting off the gate, yeah. not including me. So yeah. I don't know how much uh, I weigh a lot more. Like I weigh some too. <laughs> 
five and five and a bit and then like I don't know you you're not gonna move my chair like it's just so many things and it just ruins your day like it literally ruins your day and it's a waste of money and time and just it's and it's two steps two steps that an able-bodied person would just leap over and not even go about their day so I think just bringing awareness to like making sure like I'm not I would love a world where everywhere in the entire universe is successful. That is likely never going to happen where every single place in this crevice of the world will be accessible. However, if you as a business are going to say that you are, you have to understand what that means because I don't go anywhere without looking it up first. And so if I look it up and you online say that you are wheelchair accessible, you need to understand what that means because there are consequences when you get it wrong and um that's why I always say like I don't go anywhere that doesn't say that they are I'm not here for a gotcha moment but if I get there and it's not we're gonna make this a learning experience for everybody and yeah you call them you call them in I think yeah you don't yeah. you call them out slash in <laughs> yeah I'm like let's let's have a conversation about it yeah, I think the internet. I think another one I liked. I, I I believe it was like, or perhaps this was a conversation I had with someone else. Uh, accessible washrooms with a washroom on the main level, but it's not big enough. Like you can't get oh, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you see that a lot too, where they'll slap like an accessibility sign on the washroom, and you get in there, and you wouldn't even be able to make a pivot with your wheelchair. And it's like, okay, if you can drive your wheelchair straight in, but you can't turn it around, it's like, how do you expect somebody to yeah. forward face go into a toilet? Like, I'm so confused. Like, this is like, you can tell that like, oh, leg spasm. My leg just spasmed. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, you can tell that like zero, nobody with an actual accessibility need was in the thought process of designing the space which is a problem and why I've actually started getting into accessibility consulting because you got to get somebody who understands the needs like involved in the building process one of the partnerships that I believe you're with now but you can fill me in maybe maybe we delete this (laughs) I don't know is with Nix are you working with Nix I so I've done partnership like I've done a like a okay. partnership with them so the next situation was actually really cool because I um went I got invited by next to come essentially you know it's really fun influencer things where they invited me to essentially come to the store and get some free product and cool. uh, it was a really cool like offer and then I got the emails really excited. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then I looked up their store online to just like figure out how to get there. And when I was looking on Google Maps, from the maps, I could tell that there was a step to get in. So I'm like, okay, you know, if they're inviting me, they probably have a ramp. Um, and so I I called and they're like, oh no, like we're yeah. actually our store is not accessible. Uh, at all and it kind of started that conversation like I was like and so I emailed them back like as much as I would have loved to you like unfortunately that location isn't accessible and then they handled it exactly how I'd want any business to they're like you know what we thank you for bringing this to our attention 
please give us like a month or two. We are going to do a renovation and then we'd love to have you back to the store to do the experience. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, like they say that, but they're not actually going to do it. And then in like two months, they messaged me back. Hey Taylor, we've made a bunch of renovations to the store. We renovated our change rooms, everything to make everything accessible. We'd love to have you back. And I went back and it was one of the most phenomenal spaces for accessibility um, I've ever been to. So in a store. So I was like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, and to see it happen and real change happen is like everything I could have asked for and more. It's just like one more accessible space in the city that everybody from now until infinity will be able to benefit from. So it's really cool. And I really loved that they did that. Love Nick's. Love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Your advocacy and your, um, your activism with this is done with so much compassion and grace, but also like force and, and like, let's go here world. You've become such an icon. Do you work with younger (laughs) girls? Do you work with, um, people that are, um, disabled fresh or like new or from birth? Like, do you work with people like that directly? Yeah. I have like a good, like standing relationship with Larvy Kids Rehab and um, even Toronto Rehab. I uh, I have some nursing friends who still go there, and I always tell them, I'm like, if you meet anybody who is newly injured and is struggling, and they need somebody to talk to who gets it, like, please reach out to me. And I've done that for years. I've done that ever since. Essentially, I've left. I've told them that. And so over the years, I've yeah, I've, I, I want to say counsel for that. I feel like you need to have like a license for that and there's people who have gone to school to do this very properly but in my own way I've counseled mm-hmm. dozens of people who are new who are newly injured specifically because at first you don't I I remember me I didn't want to talk to anybody in a wheelchair when I first got injured I was like no I'm not that like I'm mm. that's not my journey like that's your journey not my journey but what I've come to find is that it is invaluable to be able to talk to someone who has gone through what you've gone through. And so whenever they're ready to open up to somebody like me, then I am always right there to try to help them as much as I can. And their families too, because there's a lot you need to learn about like the system and yeah, healthcare sure. and things like that. So, so before we wrap up, I do want to know because you have a lot going on and the world is a difficult world to live in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and now with the fast access of social media, the constant, uh, the trolls, the negative negativity out there and you running and managing your business and just being this powerhouse force out there. What are some of the tools that you use to keep you moving forward in life, to keep you positive and mentally in the game? Uh, I think allowing myself to indulge in the stupid little things that make me happy. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's like, I love a good escape from a, like I love shows and TV shows and like media, like that makes me happy. Like I love a good reality show that's so stupid that you just, is an escape from my own life. I think my friends and 
making time like it's as you get older it's so much harder to wrangle your friends together to go out for like a dinner or to get together for anything but my friends and I have been so committed and every like two two and a half weeks we do so we have a group show we talk in every single day and I think that has kept me so grounded and stable because those are the people who have known me since even before my accident so they like Mm -hmm. know me and we could never separate because like we literally would burn <laughs> with everybody's secrets uh, but they, they have been invaluable to me and I think just being easier on myself as I grow older like whenever I do make mistakes which I do so often I'm just like this is just part of the human experience. That's been like one of my quotes this year. Like whenever I get something happens, I'm like, it's just part of the human experience or I'm doing it for the plot. Like I, this <laughs> summer has been the summer of doing it for the plot, whenever something goes wrong. Um, So just giving myself more grace, being grounded with my, my friends and indulging in the things that make me happy. And you can also throw in wine there because I am a wino. <laughs> Love it so much. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I look forward to continuing to watch you on social media. Maybe we'll meet again in real life. Um, (laughs) Maybe we should do an event together again at some point. That would be so fun. That would be so fun. Um, Congratulations on all of your success. And, you. you know, I'll have everywhere that people can reach you in the show notes. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love, head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, and give the show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.